Oh, listen, dear one, I am thrilled to announce I have a brand new private coaching container opening up called Full Immersion Coaching. This is you and me working together privately as I become your mentor and soul guide for an entire year, providing you with the full support you need to grow a massively successful and prosperous heart-led business. To get all the details, DM me on Facebook or Instagram or send an email to allison at allisonscammell.com and say, tell me more about Full Immersion Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you. Hello, my dear ones. How are we doing today? I have an important story to share with you. It's the story of my near-death experience. And I want to start by saying the story is not mine. The story is for you. The story is in service to you to enable you to heal, grow, gain insight, evolve, deepen, expand. So I'm going to be sharing this story of my near death. And I really invite you to receive it from your heart. Listen with your body. Open your aperture to what you think is possible. This story goes beyond what the collective has given us as right and left limits. It goes beyond those limits. Because that's the time we're in right now. We're in a time of going beyond. And this story illustrates what going beyond can look like. So in today's episode, I share part one of my three-part NDE story, told in service to you. Welcome to Soul Guide Radio a podcast for soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs here to bring about change on a massive level. We'll explore how you can activate your big soul mission, amplify your spiritual gifts, and clear the energy blocks weighing you down so you can gain unstoppable momentum in life and business. I'm Allison Scammell, your host and soul guide. Hey there, Soul Guide Circle. This is the first episode in a special three-part series where I share an experience that occurred almost 13 years ago, which is kind of hard to believe. And this is the first time I'm telling it to a recorded audience that I will share. I've told it before in closed audiences. And it's was a difficult road healing from this this experience and in many ways an even more difficult difficult road healing from my fears in telling the story it's part of human survival that we want to fit in and be accepted by our group our tribe our clan our community and when we experience something that goes against the grain of what the group or community deems normal, it can instill incredible amounts of fear 
to speak up and say this against the grain, against what is accepted by society. This thing happened to me. This thing, this experience, this possibility. And that's why it's taken me 13 years to share the story. I'm ready now. It's time. So away we go. It was in the latter part of 2008. I was in a soul destroying job that was sucking life force from my body at every second. I had a verbally abusive boss. I was drinking until drunk most nights. I was weighing much more than I wanted to weigh. I was single and longed to be in a healthy relationship, in a romantic partnership. And it felt like a very rock-bottom, unhappy time in my life. And looking back, I see that I started to, without realizing it at the time, hear and recognize this whisper, this voice inside of me that was indeed my intuitive voice, although I could never have identified that back then. But I started listening to it. I started hearing this little whisper, this little voice, because it was giving me relief from my pain. And I started to find books on spirituality. I read some books written by Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle, started to meditate more, was going to yoga more, anything, anything to get relief. And I realized that the more I connected to the spiritual realm, the more relief I experienced. And this little voice inside of me, which again, at the time I didn't recognize as any sort of intuitive voice, was whispering, quit your job, buy an around the world airline ticket, travel the world, take a break from striving, it whispered. And I'll say that again, take a break from striving. Because at the time, that's what I did. I I was a striver. My job titles defined me. So when you took my job title away from me, I would, I was left with a feeling of being identityless. But I was in so much pain. I listened to the voice. I had no money and savings. So I took, to, took out a $20,000 line of credit during a time. It was right after the, some of the market crashes of 2008. So I'm not exactly sure how I even got that line of credit. But I remember getting it in a few minutes over the phone. I had no plan for what would happen after the travel. I had no job lined up, but yet I quit. I packed a backpack. I bought an around the world airline ticket and I made it as far as Paris. But before Paris, I was in Madrid and I rented a flat in Madrid on the Plaza Santa Ana. And it was there that I was still wallowing in despair, disappointed that the travel hadn't provided me much relief. I felt lonely. I felt isolated. And then one morning, I woke up and this energy washed over me, washed over my entire body. And there was a presence. It wasn't inside of me. It was outside of me. I was alone 
in this flat and this presence, this energetic presence was moving my head right and left. It was moving my shoulders. It was moving me forward and back. It was pushing me energetically right and left and forward. I knew something was there. And at the same time, I thought that I was going completely mad. And when my inner knowing was present, my inner knowing was telling me that there is a consciousness here. There is a presence here that wants to communicate with you. And luckily, I had recently read a book by Esther Hicks. And in that book, she chronicled the story of how she came to be connected to Abraham and how she came to communicate. And the inner knowing was telling me I was in a similar situation. The inner knowing was telling me there was a collection of consciousness presence present that wanted to communicate with me. And this entire time, and this will be a theme throughout this whole experience, I was waffling back and forth from my higher self, my intuition, knowing that all of this was real. It was all happening as I was watching it unfold. It was all part of my design soul path. And my human self, who at the time especially, didn't think that this was possible, didn't know about intuitive gifts, didn't know about channeling, didn't know very much about the spiritual realm at all. So that human side of me was continually saying, this is nuts, this can't be happening. How could this be happening to me? But then I would go back to my inner knowing that was saying, this is happening. And you agreed to this on a soul level. So it went on for the entire morning. My struggle really to try to communicate with this energy, this consciousness that I really did sense presence. It was becoming overwhelmingly obvious to me that there was something present. (laughs) And they would move my head up and down for yes and side to side for no. They started moving my nose in the shape of letters. And to make a long story short, what I, what this energy communicated to me was indeed they were a collection of consciousness. They came from my soul family and this consciousness called itself live, L-I-V-E. Just as Abraham is a collection of consciousness and calls itself Abraham. But the communication was very difficult because my intuitive gifts were so closed off. They had not really been used much in my lifetime up until that point. So that's when Liv told me that there would need to be a calibration, a calibration process to enable communication to flow back and forth more easily. And they were going to calibrate my energy to raise it to a resonance that matched their extremely high vibrational frequency so the communication wouldn't be jammed and it could flow back and forth with ease. And I'll say here that this understanding that I just shared with you came to me at the time after several days, days of struggle to try to communicate. All sorts of different things. I tried to write in a journal what I thought they were saying. 
lots of moving of my head. This energy was able to move my body. Again, they weren't inside of me. And I'm going to say here, throughout this entire experience, I had complete free will. My inner knowing knew at the beginning that this was an energy of light. This was a energy that was there in my highest and greatest good. It was not a dark energy. And as time went on, I began to surrender and trust it more and more and more. And you will see later in the story (laughs) that that plays an important role in how things unfold. So after days of struggle, it's then that they said we were going to, we're going to start a physical calibration process. And that evening I started vomiting and I vomited the entire evening projectile vomiting like I had never in my life experienced before. I had read about shamans who purge and there's violent vomiting sometimes in a purging. And it felt very similar to that. And Liv told me there was toxins inside of my body. It needed to get out. The toxins needed to get out. So after an entire evening of vomiting, the second major physical sensation was dizziness, extreme vertigo. I felt like I was just tipping over, toppling over. It was a dizzying vertigo, again, more intense than anything I'd ever experienced before. And after the vomiting and the dizziness subsided, things shifted. All of a sudden, Liv and I were able to have very clear channeling conversations, like we were having a telepathic conversation with one another. And once we had that communication flow open and that channel open, so I was able to just channel whatever it is they were telling me, that's when the walking started. So every day I would wake up and Liv would guide my energy. And again, this is when the surrendering process happened. I was very resistant to everything at first saying, why is this happening? Why are you here? I had a thousand questions for them in an hour, at least. You know, what's the truth behind the universe? I I, I wanted to know everything. Why, 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 why? And every day, Liv said, we need to start walking. And they would guide my energy. And if I really surrendered to it, it was just like it was a, a, a perfect energetic flow. And I would walk down a street and they would guide me to turn right or turn left or go into a cafe. And all day long, we would walk and communicate. And I would ask them a million questions. They would respond. And then we started doing daily exercises where every morning we would have a theme. And for example, one day was I had to spend the entire day thinking of all the people who I had wronged in my life. And I had to forgive them and more difficultly forgive myself. So I had to go through this entire forgiveness process. And I would walk morning till night. They would guide me into a cafe or a coffee shop to eat. And then we would continue walking. This was also the time Liv 
requested that I stay off the internet. And this was 2009, so I didn't have a smartphone at the time, but I had a laptop. And it made me realize just how addicted I was to toning into the internet every day. It was extremely difficult for me not to check my email or not to get on social media or not to scroll headlines. And so then one morning, Liv informed me that we would be going to Paris. And they gave me permission to get onto my laptop and book a overnight train to Paris and to book a second flat in Paris. And they guided me to the exact flat that I should rent. And then they informed me that we would be staying our last night in Madrid at a hotel. And they had me pack up all my things and leave the flat and go to a nearby hotel. And once I arrived inside the hotel room, my whole body sank. I had been there before somehow. It looked so familiar. And my entire body felt like it was in a deep state of fear. It was then that Liv told me that I was part of the top 100. The top 100 lightworkers on planet that was here to help planet Earth and the collective consciousness heal so it could evolve to a higher consciousness and usher in a golden age. And of course, at the time, I was like, well, how could that be me? How could I be? part of the top 100 on the planet. Of course, I didn't believe it. I resisted it, but they insisted. And they told me that I was among a group of world leaders, of captains of industry. And we were here on earth at this time to usher in a new age of higher consciousness. And so Liv then informed me that in order for me to do that, in order for me to fulfill that role, I had to heal deeply what was inside of me. And what was inside of me was cataclysmic trauma, deep, deep trauma from several past lifetimes. It was trauma I was born with and I brought forward into this lifetime that was inside of me. And without releasing this trauma, I was on the path to something very destructive. And so Liv informed me that they were going to help me heal from this past lifetime trauma that was so deep that there was no human healer or therapist that could help me. It had to be non-physical consciousness. It had to be the divine and a true divine intervention to enable me to heal. So back to the hotel room, I was looking around and that's when Liv started to give me memories. They would just insert memories into my consciousness of a past lifetime. And my inner knowing recognized it. 
but my human self, my Allison self, had no idea that this lifetime was inside of me. So again, this duality of going back and forth between knowing and not knowing, believing and not believing, trusting and resisting. It was a constant pendulum swinging back and forth. And in this particular lifetime, I was an outspoken leader to a repressive system. And this system was trying to physically harm me, to keep me quiet. And so I was in a hotel room in this past lifetime, and I was attacked in the bathroom. And the bathroom I was in, in Madrid, in current day lifetime, looked just the same. And as I was in the bathroom, brushing my teeth at night, I felt it in my whole body. I felt an enormous amount of fear. And I tried to sleep that night, but it was the most uncomfortable sleep as I just lay in this energy of pure fear. The next morning, I checked out and Liv guided me to the metro. And they guided my energy to a very specific spot in the metro as we were taking the metro to the train station to catch the train to Paris. When I arrived at the train station, I went in my backpack and realized my wallet was gone. Inside of my wallet was everything to include my passport and all of my money. The only thing I had was a photocopy of my passport. I had my ticket to Paris, and in my back pocket, I had stuck my credit card from when I checked out at the hotel. So I had one credit card. In that moment, I realized that I had been robbed on the metro and that Liv had guided me to uh, the very point where the pickpockets were hanging out on purpose. And I was like, dude, what did you do that for? I am paperless. I'm identityless. Is this what you wanted? <laughs> and I realized Liv didn't need to answer the question because I knew the answer was yes. I was starting to get angry and frustrated with Liv. I didn't understand why they were putting me through this. And I said, Liv, now we have to go to the American consulate so I can get a new passport. I can't travel internationally without it. And Liv said, no, you're going to get on the train. And at this point, I said, no, I'm not getting on that train. I know they're going to ask me for my passport. You can't get on an international train without a passport in the 21st century. And this is when Liv insisted, insisted that I get on the train anyway. So I wait at the train station for the train to start boarding and I see a line forming and there's a ticket person checking everybody's ticket 
and passport. And Liv insists I stay in the line, so I do. And when it's my turn to show my ticket, they ask for the passport, and I produce my photocopy, and the woman looked at me like I had two heads. She said, we can't accept this. And I explained that my wallet had been stolen with my passport in it. And she said, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but you're going to have to get a replacement passport before you go anywhere. And I said, yes, of course. So I walked away angry at Liv for putting me through that. Then again, Liv said, let's walk. And we had been walking for days now, weeks all day from morning to night. And Liv continued to guide me to walking, 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 walking. And at this point, I was getting angry and saying, Liv, please, I don't want to walk anymore. And I want to say it again throughout this entire experience. I had free will. At any time, I could have asked Liv to leave. I could have said, I don't want to do this anymore. But my inner knowing knew that I had signed up to this. I had a soul contract. And I needed to go through this in order to heal the trauma that was inside of me. So after hours and hours of walking with a suitcase and a heavy backpack, I arrived at and Liv had guided me towards a second train station on the outskirts of Madrid, one I didn't even know existed. And Liv guided me to buy a second train ticket. And at this point, I was concerned because the only money I had was that credit card. And I had no idea when that credit card was going to max out. And of course, Liv wouldn't allow me on my laptop to check. So I got to the ticket counter And I bought a second overnight trip from Madrid to Paris, and I waited to board. When it was time, I thought, well, here we go again. All I had was my photocopied passport. And I walk on the train, and no one was checking tickets to get on the train. I found my sleeper car. Thank God I was the only one in it. And the train started moving. So I breathed my first sigh of relief that at least I was going in the direction of Paris. Then about 10 minutes into the journey, the train conductor arrived and asked for my ticket and passport. So I gave him my ticket. I gave him the crinkled photocopied paper. And he said, Miss, what is this? And I said, well, I was just robbed. And I'm going to get a replacement passport in Paris. This is all I have. And he said, well, you have to understand that we stop in the middle of the night at the border. There's nothing around. And I do not think the French authorities are going to accept this. So you might be kicked out in the middle of the night and there will be no hotel or no taxi. And he said, "Okay," and walked away. And at this point, I was cursing Liv for putting me in this situation saying, why did you do this? Why are you making me feel so uncomfortable? Why are you instilling all this fear in me? And Liv said, this is to help you feel. This is to help you release. 
the trauma that is inside. You will be fine. So I knew there was nothing I could do in that moment but to try to get some sleep. As the fatigue and not sleeping and walking for days on end was really starting to catch up with me. So I closed my eyes and prayed that I would make it to Paris. So this, my dear ones, concludes part one of my three-part NDE experience story that I'm sharing in service to you. Be sure to tune in next week when I'll be picking up where we left off in part two of this story. And as always, until next time, may your soul guide the way. ready to fill your business with soul clients in the next 60 days then download my free energy upgrade meditation to amp up your energy frequency dissolve the doubt and attract the soul clients you are destined to serve find a link to download on my website allisonscammell.com as well as in the show notes